Hello, everybody, and welcome to Allendale Market Talk podcast. This is Mike Lung, and today I'm being joined by Darren Newston, uh, technical analysis. He's on Twitter. Uh, he has his own uh, company and everything, and it does a great job. So thanks for joining me here today. How you doing? I'm doing well, Mike. Appreciate you having me on. Perfect. So I know I've seen your story about how you got in tech analysis, but can you please share with our listeners how you grasp this want to learn more this just want for uh to learn more about technical analysis and everything yeah interestingly enough and i just saw a tweet about it uh i saw something on twitter about it yesterday uh where folks were comparing you know for perspective they were comparing the sell-off we saw in the stock market on monday uh to uh to what happened in 1987 Mm -hmm. and how you know the the three percent sell-off uh, here in February just meant nothing when 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 you compare it to that. Well, what's interesting is that's what got me into this line of work was I was I was working back at the at the local elevator, uh, running trucks, dumping fertilizer, and I just had a feeling one, one morning, woke up and I just had a feeling the stock market was going to go down. So uh, I went in, did all the paperwork, got in a commodity account, opened up, uh, started uh, putting some money into some. Uh, S&P put options, and you know they had just happened to expire the Friday before. I, I did some very short term. They happened to expire the Friday before Black Monday, 1987. Mm. But it was after that day uh, when it just—I I just knew that the path my career was going to take from there on out was going to be trying to figure out what causes markets to do what they do how can we see how can we have a better idea of of what to expect what these markets are trying to tell us and everything else so you know went went the course of getting my series three commodity broker license uh joined a couple initially joined a firm in wichita kansas and uh, one of the mentors that i had was a technical analyst he, he looked at everything from a technical point of view and so i started studying with him uh, and he started showing me some of the things. And so naturally, the first thing I did, uh, being still relatively young and single, was get a was get a book, uh, Technical Analysis of the Futures Market by John J. Murphy. Mm-hmm. And that's been my textbook ever since for the last 30 some years. I still refer to it almost every day. And, you know, to me, what it does is, is it, you know, it, it helps clear away a lot of the clutter and erase it and then just remove a lot of the noise. Uh, because you can look at what price is trying to tell you, and then price is always trying to tell you something. And it's been fascinating to watch how these markets have evolved over the decades. But we can still get messages. They're just different messages now than what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And would you say that obviously a lot has changed since '87 uh, when it comes to electronic trading and mm-hmm. um, everything to go with that? Would you say that it's it's a lot faster pace with the the market psychology. Are you looking at it from a still a daily, weekly standpoint, or have you moved this down to a shorter time frame? What are you? How are you looking at this? For my purposes, you know, I, I can pull up a five minute chart or a one minute chart, and I so I see the same patterns uh, that mm-hmm. I see on the on the daily, weekly, and monthly. But for my purposes, I've always I've always you know, particularly when it comes to, you know, for, for most of my career, I've been, I've dealt, I've worked with uh, ag producers. And so mostly through their hedging programs and their marketing and so on. And so uh, I've always tried to adhere to what I call the Goldilocks principle, meaning daily charts are too hot. 
weekly chart, excuse me, monthly charts are too cold, but weekly charts are just right. But mm -hmm. that having been said, you know, there's a lot of value to be gained from studying daily and monthly charts as well, because you can get, you know, you can get moves within moves uh, that mm -hmm. you can take advantage of. And, 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 you know, I deal with more traders now as well. Uh, and so, you know, we, we, we want to keep an eye on, on the daily charts. I just, I, I still, I just haven't devoted enough time to uh, the intraday, you know, the five minute, 30 minute, whatever. Uh, I'm not into day trading like that. I know a lot of people are, mm -hmm. but I still, uh, you know, I'll still, I still, I'm, I'm, I still look at the dailies. But when it comes to, you know, uh, marketing positions and, and hedge positions, I still, mostly I still stick with the weekly charts. Okay. So you're just keep keeping a little bit longer term uh, view mm -hmm. uh, forecast of the what's going on. Yeah. And I, I like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, are you, are you doing this with, I know there's, I mean, there's so many tools you can use. You got Elliott wave, you got Dow theory, which Elliott wave is based off of. You have retracements, you have mm -hmm. trend lines, all this good stuff. So what's, what's your go-to tools when you're analyzing it from the weekly perspective? I've thrown most everything out over the years and particularly with the reliance now with the dominate dominance now of electronic trade, because they're not based on the same, I mean, the same psychological factors that you might, you know, for you know, support areas and resistance areas and these sorts of things mm -hmm. uh, that you used to, that used to really trigger uh, human traders, just, just don't trigger uh, the, the algorithms anymore. So what mm -hmm. I use is, is, is a very loose interpretation of Elliott wave and Fibonacci retracements. I okay. used to do, I used to do Dow. I used to do the Dow retracements because when I started charting, it was in a book where you had to physically draw in the lines and you had to, you know, you had to, you had to add everything by hand uh, with a pen at the end of the day. And 33%, 3360, you know, 3350 and 67 were much easier to calculate than 38.250 and 61.8. So, I mean, you just broke it into thirds. And so uh, that's one of the changes that I've seen, particularly in my own, with the with the electronic quote screens and, and charting and all that is I'm able to, you know, I, I basically just have used Fibonacci now uh, mm -hmm. and make it as part of a uh, part of the Elliott wave. And I also look I also look at stochastics. Um, again, they're just as indicators of momentum mm -hmm. uh, rather than hard and fast rules don't have any really don't have any use for rsis or macd's or any of those sorts of things moving averages uh, i know there's still a lot of talk about 50 day 100 day and so on but really what what i'm looking at is very simple looking for reversal patterns uh and then just counting waves and looking for retracements okay so mostly just focus on candlestick and elliot <laughs> again <laughs> even though i know candlestick charting goes back way before uh the the standard uh, standard bar charts uh, price charts, but I still look I still look more at the open high low close charts. Uh, okay. I just you know I've never perfected all of the uh, all of the different types of candles there are in candlestick, and I know they're very similar to what we see in just the standard uh, price charts, but. Mm -hmm. It's just what what I started working with. Uh, again, the mentor that I had, he would do, uh, you know, he would do some candlesticking and he would do uh, point and figure. 
but mm-hmm. you know, I just got used to to just looking at standard price charts and uh, and have still and still just use those. Okay, very cool. Yeah, so I'm guessing since he uh, focused mostly on that, that was where you developed your Tau theory start from, correct? Because that's that's mostly the the bar chart that the Dow is based off, of, correct? Correct, correct. You know, uh, reading up on you know reading up on Dow theory and and again as you said earlier how how it was tied to uh you know to the elliott wave uh, and so you connect those two and you, and you use the price charts to look at them and again that's just that's just what i've always done still works relatively well uh you just have to you just have to evolve to a certain degree with what you're looking for uh, over time but i again that that evolution hasn't included me getting well versed uh, I, I can look at them i understand them I, I know what i'm seeing but to sit and explain them I just have not gotten, I just haven't used candlestick charts that much. Yeah, you don't have the entire room pasted out with every single different candlestick chart that you exactly. can find. Much like <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> awesome. And is this something that, is it easier to do, say, in the grain markets compared to livestock? Or what, what do you, is there much difference that you're looking at between the two? The easiest or the one, the the sector that follows its technical patterns the best, at least from what I've seen over the decade, over years and decades, is the energy complex. Okay. And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's because it's more of a global market, but uh, it just seems to follow its technical patterns better. Grains still get caught up in so much emotion, even though the algorithms are trading. The those who wrote the algorithms wrote a weakness into it and that is you they still believe headlines and they still and they still believe usda reports or at least they think they do uh, I, I've, I've got mm-hmm. my own opinions on that but you, you get the energy uh you, you look at the energy markets and you, you get in step and you get pr- in, in pretty good sync with what those with what those charts are saying both daily and weekly and some to some degree monthly and you can you could stay in step with with those markets relatively well uh certainly the grains are more challenging the livestock markets seems so much more volatile than what they used to be the the, the inflow of money over the last 10 years of, of of fund money into the livestock sector has changed the nature of the livestock sector a great deal where many times it seems like we've broken the connection to the cash market which used to always drive livestock uh, but we don't we don't have that as much anymore. And so, you know, we ha- you know, we, you, you can use charts on livestock uh, markets more so than you used to. Uh, you know, it used to just be a you know, waste of effort uh, to try to chart livestock. But uh, but anymore, I mean, you, you can get them to try you know, you can try to follow patterns and they usually do relatively well until they fall apart, uh, which I mm-hmm. guess you can say about anything. But um, yeah, so, so I use them all across the board. But the easiest or the best market, uh, the best sector still seems to be energies. Mm-hmm. You know, probably because just the more liquidity and it seems like uh, more volume you get in, the better it is to use technicals because it's really just a measure of market psychology. That That is true. And and again, that's one of the evolutions is that, you know, is, is it still market psychology when it's driven by algorithms or is it, you know, what then, then comes, you have to start breaking codes, you know, what, 
what are the algos looking for? What what is triggering them? Are they moving off of moving averages? Are they, you know, because so often they aren't using, you know, say key reversals or things like this, where you take out the previous day's low. That doesn't trigger anything. It all seems to be based, uh, or the majority of it seems to be based now on momentum and, and figuring out what they're using as momentum reads. Uh, you know, to catch those changes when they occur and try to be in, try to be on the same side with them. Mm -hmm. And I know you were talking about how your main book uh, was the technical analysis book. Have you also been recently studying anything about the algorithms or is it just something you've been viewing through the market? Well, I actually have firsthand ability to watch how, the, how these algorithms progress because I'm in business with my son and he's, mm -hmm. he's young and you know, he's watched me do my classic charting over the over the years, and he got interested in writing algorithms. And so, you know, as part of our business, you know, he's sitting over there, he's writing algorithms, he's checking these algorithms out, and he and he's always comparing them the, them to what I see. Uh, and so, one of the you know some of the algorithms that he's trying to write at this point, or that he has written at this point, mirror my you know the positions that I would be in. So he has written algorithms that can basically get into the same positions that I would be in uh, based on my analysis. And he's written a, a number of other algorithms as well. And so I get to watch how these things come about, how they how they change over time, you know, the coding that goes into them. Now, I don't understand any of it, but I, I, I get to watch as they take shape. And, and it's fascinating to see that side of it. Awesome. So he's basically written you into an algorithm. He has basically written me into, that's right, he's written me into an algorithm. <laughs> Looks like Darren Newsom will transcend time. <laughs> I, 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 that just means I can retire at some point. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's absolutely amazing what they're able to do. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, there's it plenty is. of books. It, it's quite a process to watch. Crazy. It's, uh, what's the movie? Uh, the one with Johnny Depp, trans, uh, Transcendence? Or he goes okay. from being a human into a, like a, a computer generated guy. Yes. Uh, it's going to be amazing what's going to be available. I mean, think about just how the last, what, six or 2006, 14 years have changed when, uh, with the going completely over to electronic, how these algorithms are going to be able to play themselves out in another, say, 5, 10, 15 years. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, the, the early iterations of these algorithms, they were all – they seem to be, and I, and I can't say they were all because I wasn't writing them, and I and I certainly have never written them. But you know, watching them yeah, from the beginning of that, you know, 2005, 2006, down in that in that mid, you know, mid 200, 2000s time frame, so many of them seem to be based on nothing more than keywords in headlines, and mm -hmm. it was it was lunacy because all of a sudden the headline writers started taking advantage of that, and they would put they would drop those keywords in. Even if it had nothing to do with the with the with the story, they, the story and and the you know I'm not gonna say the facts of the story could completely disagree with the headline, but you know those key, those keywords were in there and and the algorithms would react. But I I do think we've seen we've certainly seen a change where you can't do that anymore. You can't trigger them that easily anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think the real test of that has been you know the last three plus years now with with a president who tweets a great amount of time and early in his presidency, those tweets 
could move markets and you just don't see it as much anymore. And I, and I think it's been a true test of, of moving the, the entire algorithm trade uh, industry forward uh, has mm -hmm. been what's happened over the last three, three and a half years. Yeah, moving the weights from headlines over to what the what's actually doing on the market side of things. Exactly, you know, uh, looking at momentum, looking at possible price triggers, looking at these at these other things, looking at you know one of the things that I'm focusing on is is real supply and demand versus imaginary supply and demand, and you know mm -hmm. I, I don't know that algorithms are there yet. I think they're still more based off of. Uh, imaginary supply and demand, uh, if they are factoring in fundamentals, which you know folks say that they are, uh, and when they start to grasp the idea of real supply and demand, I think it's going to get that much more interesting. Yeah, and for our listeners, can you explain further about what this real versus imaginary supply and demand you're looking at uh, qualifies as the definition? Yeah, as you see it? yeah, real supply and demand is what the market's telling us. And so we can look at future spreads, we can look at basis, we can look at you know the the, the intrinsic value of the market, which is which is cash price or, or some sort of national cash index. And we can combine those those fundamental reads to get an idea of what real fundamentals are. Now, mm -hmm. the imaginary is what's released every month, every quarter, whatever in the USDA reports. Often they have like like right now we you know what I'm going to be doing this week is making the argument that we've lost all touch with reality uh, given the situation that we're in at this point with trade wars and and you know trade scuffles and everything else and now the coronavirus uh, flying around uh, that we've that you know the imaginary numbers have lost all contact with reality and it's an important I mean it's an important lesson because everyone wants to tell me constantly, you know, well, USDA is saying this, well, USDA is saying that, and that's fine. But what's the market showing us? Right. You know, let's just look at soybeans. They've lowered their soybean 2019-20 uh, ending stocks to something like 425 million bushels. Well, that's all well and good. You can do that. You can make up that number. But then if we look at things like future spreads and basis and where the cash price, what the cash price is averaging this marketing year, it's actually telling us that we could possibly have over a billion bushels, that mm -hmm. you know, we're two to three times larger in reality, as far as what the intrinsic value of the market's showing us versus you know, what, what's being reported. And so at some point, I know the algorithms are going to figure this out. They're going to figure out how to read mm -hmm. real fundamentals. And when that day comes, how, you know, my, what my mind wanders to is how will this change everything? How will this alter how we have to read real fundamentals? Because now they're going to be influenced by algorithmic trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. And just another way to point it out in case just to shorten it down for everyone is saying like uh, the USDA is giving us a supply demand right now that says our fair economic value for beans should be around 930, 940, but obviously we're sitting at 880. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, that's a little bit of what uh, Darren's speaking of right now, but it's going to be interesting because I don't know if you've seen the, the, the Twitter recently with the tillable and uh, people a little bit uh, more so on the, sending their uh, landlords rent offers but on the background there's also the data sharing so with algorithms and with i mean you see data sharing with every single thing you do on the internet 
whether or not that's going to come into play on how algorithms are playing. You have elevators, you have uh, tractors, you have all these different things that's collecting data. And is that going to be the next push towards how these algorithms are trading? Are they going to get real-time data from the farmer? Are they going to be able to sell their data in order to make these algorithms that much better? That's going to be yeah, and, an and absolutely see, amazing that's been thing to see big... forward. Absolutely. And, that, and that's been the big argument the last, I don't know, three to five years is who has the right to sell that data? You know, does the producer, mm-hmm. to, does the does the farmer give up their right when they buy the equipment that has that data collection system as, you know, as part of its computers? Does the, you know, does the tractor company, does the does the planter, uh, you know, the, the manufacturing company, to the seed company, do they own that data? So it's an interesting fight uh, that has mm-hmm. been brewing, will continue to brew, but that data is being collected and it is being used. And you're right, it's being fed into these, not only into the algorithms to understand, you know, customer preferences and so on, but in the larger scale of things, it's being traded uh, in the in the larger market. So mm-hmm. uh, that uh, that data is being used now, and at some point, yes, it's going to get even more refined. Yeah, and that's gonna be an interesting fight because I don't. Uh, same thing goes on with like Facebook and stuff, where you got the fight about yes, it's free, uh, but obviously you're selling ads. What maybe in the future you got uh, say John Deere and stuff, given given tractors at a greatly reduced price in order to collect all the data. Mm-hmm. So, as, and going back to the algorithm your son's making, is he using, do you have any access to any of this data or is this something he's just using strictly based on how he's been viewing your technical analysis over the years? I, he, he's, he's, he's written some of them based on my analysis over the years because he wants, again, he wants to mirror uh, what I see. Mm-hmm. But then he's 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 writing some others. He's coding some others uh, algorithms based on other signals, you know. So he might be using, you know, a combination of different momentum signals, uh, momentum indicators. Uh, some of them are very short term. The ones some he shows me are very short term. So they're based off of the you know the one minute, five minute, ten minute charts, something like that. And so then with, with he and I talking, you know, the, okay, so then maybe he tries to expand out and use something similar in a, in a, you know, again, in the daily, weekly, or not necessarily monthly charts, but tries to expand it out to a longer time frame. So, you know, I get to watch what he's doing and I get to watch how these things are made and how he has to stay up because these, again, these this, this algorithm industry is always always changing and it's always moving forward and it never sleeps mm-hmm. uh, there, there's markets and there's algorithms running all the time and so you have to be prepared to you know if you, if you turn the keys over to them you know they're going to be generating trades at any time of any day yeah yeah i could put me out of business <laughs> stay awake longer <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh that's absolutely amazing uh just to wrap it up, how can people find you and find all your technical analysis going forward? What they can do is they can go to darrennewsom.com. That's D-A-R-I-N-N-E-W-S-O-M, all one word, dot com. Once you get there, you can go to the services page and you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. 
And once you do that, then you can get in and you can see all the technical analysis. Every week I do, uh, I do my weekly analysis of, of 40 some different markets. I mean, we try to, I try to cover as many as I possibly can try to cover them on the weekends. So you can see the weekly analysis. You can see our price distribution analysis, seasonal analysis, basis analysis, all of these things that I build into the analysis package. Plus, we also have a commentary side where you know I post my daily commentary, morning comments, afternoon comments, what few report comments, uh, what few report comments I actually make because I don't really look at reports anymore. Uh, plus my weekly column, so you can see that you know, you can just cover the whole gamut of what we of what we talk about, what we look at, and you can start to get a feel uh, for how you know we use all these different aspects to you know try to come up with the try to come up with our best idea of not only what type of market situation we're dealing with, but where it might be headed. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for joining me here today, Darren. Well, Mike, I, I do so appreciate you having me on this afternoon. We'll have to touch base again later on in the year, see how everything's been going on. Sounds good. I look forward to it.